0: All right, so if you have your copy of God's Word, um, we're going to be in Luke 9.23. If not, we have some Bibles on uh, the back table if you want to grab one of those as well. So if you want to go ahead and open those up. Uh, self-admittedly, Luke 9.23 is, is my personal favorite verse. Um, you know, a lot of times people say this is like they have a life verse, if you will. I would say this is probably my life verse. That this is something that has stuck with me uh, ever since um, I became a follower of Christ uh, the summer before my junior year of high school. So it's really cool that we get to dive into this and see what does it mean to pursue Christ. So if we, if we understand that Christ pursues us... And now we are to pursue Christ. As we saw in our devotion this morning, if we have repented and turned and believed in Christ, then that transformation of our heart should lead to a transformation in our life. And so what does that look like? And so we're going to look at just one verse. That one verse is going to give us three commands of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But before we do that, um, I just want to give a quick uh, scenario that I would love y'all's participation in. Okay? So how many of you in here have a job by show of hands? Okay, we got at least three. How many of you can't wait to get a job in the next year or two or so? How many of you really want a job? How many of you don't want a job? You don't care. Okay, all right, you say that now, but All right, let me ask you this, OK, at least for those that want a job and those that have a job, I, I want to give a quick scenario to all of you with this. Imagine you go into, let's say, the manager, the boss's office, CEO, whomever, the one that's the head one in charge, the head person in charge, you go into their office and you say, "All right, I'm going to lay out the parameters of what it means to be an employee at your company." All right? Here's what you're going to tell them. All right? I'm only going to give you two days a week. And that's it. Anything else outside of that is just bonus you know, for y'all. Also, if I work on, let's say, any sort of extra projects or anything else like that, uh, I should get a little bit of a bonus. Um, You're gonna pay me at the rate I would like to be paid at. Um, Also, you're gonna give me what I want, exactly when I want it, and if you don't, then you're not really a loving manager now, are you? Quick, Quick question, how well do you think that's gonna go? Why? Why is it going to go awful? You're going to get fired. (laughs) You're going to get fired. Why else? Why would that not work out well? Okay. Anybody else? Huh? You're not the boss. Exactly. Why? Because that boss, that manager, that CEO has all the authority to establish the parameters of what it means to be an employee at that company. They have all the authority to establish the terms of what it means to be an employee at that company. And as crazy as this scenario might sound, what a lot of us might not realize is this might be exactly how some of us treat our relationship with Jesus. Okay, Jesus, I will give you Sunday morning, Sunday night, and maybe Wednesday night, but the rest of the week is for me. Okay, Jesus, I'll I'll read my Bible Sunday morning, but if I read my Bible any other time outside of that— or if I go to a Christian school, if I read my Bible outside of that, that's not for schoolwork, okay, I should get a little bit of a bonus. Or if I pray a little extra, or if I attend a camp or go serve at VBS, I should, I should get a little bit of a bonus. Also, God, you, uh, you should give me exactly what I want when I want it, or else are you really a loving God? That might sound really harsh, and some of us might not feel that that's exactly how we treat our relationship with God, but, but our actions might say a different term. Our actions might speak a different language on that. Because here's the thing is that we as fallen sinful human beings are prone to want to follow Jesus on our own terms rather than his terms. You know, we've repented of Christ and we believe in him. We're now following him, like we said. But we still have that natural tendency within us to want to do things our way. So even even when we try to follow Christ, it's so difficult because sometimes we want to follow him on our terms rather than his terms. And so that's why we need his grace to help us follow him. See, our sin nature would prefer to deny Christ, pick up our comfort, and follow our heart and desires. But here's the thing. Here's the main point of the sermon I want us to get tonight is this. Is Jesus has all authority to define the terms in which we are able to follow him. Jesus has all authority to define the terms in which we are able to follow him. And as we're going to see, just out of one verse, he lays out three parameters, three terms, three commands that we are to obey if we are to truly follow Christ. Those terms, those commands are that we deny everything about ourselves, that we put to death our old selves. We embrace this new self in Christ and we follow Jesus wherever he takes us. Though none go with me, so I will follow, because I have decided to follow Jesus, The world behind me, the cross before me. And no matter what it is, we will follow Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is better. And so we're going to look at Luke 9, verse 23. So if you have your copy of God's word, that's where we're going to be at. Luke chapter 9, looking at verse 23, where it says this. This is the word of the Lord. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily And follow me. Let's pray real quick. Dear Lord, we just come before you as humble servants. We are just so thankful for your grace. We are just so thankful for all that you have done for us. So I pray, dear Lord, in this moment, over the next several minutes, as you were before this and after this, would you just help us, free us of any distractions. Would you help us focus just on your word, on your truths, Would you open up blind eyes? Would you open up deaf ears? Would you open up our minds to understand this? Would you open up our hearts to receive this? Holy Spirit, would you help us not only receive this truth, but would you help us live this out? Not just today, not just this weekend, but every single day. So would you hide me behind your word? Would you let your word speak for itself? Would you let Christ be proclaimed through all of this? And that lives will be transformed. It is only by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want us to picture a little bit of the scene, give us a little bit of backstory leading up to, let's say, this command where he's saying, All right, if you want to follow me, this is what you have to do. All right? So Jesus is fresh off feeding the 4,000 men. So with that, it's more probably like 10 plus thousand because there's 4,000 men and then there was probably 4,000 women and then there was probably children as well. So he's fresh off feeding 10 plus thousand people. Not only that, but he's fresh off healing a blind man. And so after that, he probably had a large crowd follow him like, hey, this guy is giving out free food and he's healing people at the same time. Well, sign me up. I'll follow you, Jesus. You know, if, if we knew someone was, let's say, giving out free Chick-fil-A and a walking clinic that could heal stuff, I think a lot of us would be following them pretty quickly. And so... Here's the thing, though, Jesus turns right around and Jesus starts foretelling his death and resurrection right after he gathers this big crowd of people. And here he's saying how he's going to be crucified and resurrected and everything else. And so Peter is trying to rebuke Jesus in private. Like, what are you doing? Like, look at these big group of people that we got. God, look at all the numbers that we have here. But then Jesus turns right around and rebukes Peter and then addresses the crowd. So right after Jesus gathers this huge crowd of, of fe- like feeding them and healing them, it's treating all of these things that are physical. He's satisfying them physically. So these people are poor and sick, and Jesus is feeding them and healing them. So these people are following Jesus because of what they've been able to get out of him so far to satisfy them. And the first thing that Jesus tells them to do, if they have to come after him, what they need to be doing is they need to deny their desires. They need to deny their desires. So that leads us to the first main point which is this is following Christ starts with self denial. Following Christ starts with self denial. So here is the thing that we kind of looked at even more yesterday. Our sinful nature, our natural tendency, we are naturally prone. We are naturally bent towards wanting to glorify ourselves. We want ourselves to be sitting on the throne of our hearts. We want to be in the driver's seat. We want to be the one that has control over our lives. But Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must first remove yourself from the throne of your life. You must remove yourself out of that driver's seat. You must relinquish Control and give it over to Christ. So here's the thing. Before we can say yes to Jesus, we must say no to ourselves. Before we can say yes to Jesus, we must say no to ourselves. A way, another verse that would describe this, actually Pastor Aaron referenced it yesterday, is John 3.30. We must decrease and he must increase. Or in fact, in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus talks about how no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other. or You will be devoted to one and despise the other. So here's the thing. If we are to follow Christ, we must despise our sinful nature and desires and be devoted to Christ and his desires. So let me ask you this. Do you treasure Christ and his life above you and your life? If we are to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then we are to value Christ above our plans, our goals, our aspirations, and our very lives. Because ultimately, all those things are His. So do you treasure Christ and His life above you and your life? Have you relinquished control of your plans, your aspirations, all of these things, your entire life, over to Jesus? Because we are to hold nothing back. Because as we saw yesterday, Jesus held nothing back when it came to saving us. So we are to hold nothing back in regards to following him. So it says this, it's so you are to deny ourselves. So if we understand what does deny mean, if it means to deny ourselves. Deny is two kind of words that I'll explain and then break those down. Deny is to disown or to repudiate. is kind of the two fancy words likes to use. So disown means to refuse, to acknowledge, or maintain connection with. And so repudiate kind of means the same thing. It refuses to be associated with. So if we are to deny ourselves, we must no longer maintain connection with our old selves and refuse to be associated with our old way of living. Because we have turned away from that and turned to Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. So if I've decided to follow Jesus, that means I'm no longer following my heart as we saw yesterday. We have decided to follow Jesus. That means we're no longer associating with our old way of living. We're no longer associating, we're no longer maintaining connections with those sinful habits of our past. We're slowly trying to get rid of those and follow after Christ. Remember, we can't serve two masters. We can't say, well, I'm going to try to hold on to this little bit of sin right here from my old life that it was really nice. But also, I'm going to try to follow Jesus at the same time. We can't. So let me ask you this. Do you still hold on to things of your past life? Do you still dabble in a particular sin? Do you try to say, Jesus, you can have everything else in life, but this little part right here is for me. Do you still maybe associate with people you know you shouldn't associate with? Do you hang out with people you know you shouldn't be hanging out with? That's not saying we don't try to tell them about Jesus. That's not that. That's what I'm saying. It's not like we're saying we become like monks and we just hide from everybody. Yes, we're telling about Jesus, but... Do we associate them so much that it affects us in our walk with Christ? As a follower of Christ, we are to completely cut ties with our old way of living. We are to abandon everything associated with our old life and embrace everything associated with our new life in Christ. But here's what I want us to understand over all these three commands. With every three commands, with all these commands we see, Jesus is the archetype. Meaning Jesus has done all three of these. So what that means is Jesus is not commanding us to do something that he has not already done. And that's good news, meaning if Jesus has already done this, if Jesus has already followed these things, then he's going to give us all the grace, all the faith, all the strength to be able to follow him, to be able to obey these commands. And that's good news. So Jesus is the archetype of this. Jesus first did this by denying himself because Jesus surrendered his life unto death. In fact, in Philippians 2, 5, Jesus did not count equality with God. The Son of God, the Word made flesh, and he did not count equality with God. Jesus did not use his divinity to push his own personal agenda. But instead, he did the Father's will. In fact, in Philippians 2, 7, just a couple verses later, it says Jesus emptied himself out by taking the form of a servant. By taking the form of a servant. Think about this. Jesus could have came at any point in history and could have could have been anything he wanted. He could have been born in a palace and been a prince or a king. But instead, he was born of a virgin and a carpenter, just a dirty, dirty stable, surrounded by farm animals. He came to do his father's will. Jesus served God with his life. We came not to do his will, but the will of the Father. That's what it says in John 6, 38, where it says Jesus came down from the heaven, not to do his will, but of the one who sent him, which is God the Father. So if we deny ourselves, and if Jesus kind of shows this for us, if he's the one that originally did this, then that begs the question we need to ask ourselves. Are you living for yourself, or are you living for Christ? Does your life glorify yourself, Does your life glorify God? As followers of Christ, we must pray that God's kingdom come and his will be done. But if we're praying that God's kingdom come and his will be done, that means that our kingdom must be overthrown by God's kingdom. That means our will needs to be submitted to his will. So here's the thing. The only way God's will be done is by our will being denied. The only way God's will be done is by our will being denied. Because naturally, our will, our desire, our just innate desire is to want to have control of our lives. We want to do what we best see fit. We want to follow our heart. And Jesus says, look, no, follow after me. Yes, it'll be difficult, but Jesus is better. I have decided to follow Jesus. So I think the only way God's will be done is by our will being denied. So the first thing we've got to do, if we are to pursue Christ, we must deny ourselves. So it starts with self-denial. So once we deny ourselves, once we deny our will, Christ tells us what we must do next, which is our second main point, which is this. You must place your faith in Christ alone. You must place your faith in Christ alone. Just as it says in just the middle part of this verse, it says, and take up his cross daily. So I want us to understand just how historically extreme the cross was. because a lot of times we'll see people, let's say, wear a cross necklace or you might see it tattooed on on somebody or things like that. But I want us to understand truly historically how extreme this was that Jesus was saying this to this giant crowd. So during this point in time, uh, the cross was not a form of jewelry. Instead, it was a form of torture. It was a form of capital punishment by the Roman government for the worst of the worst criminals. So the condemned criminal would carry their cross to their place of execution. So they're, they're carrying their cross, this heavy wooden cross, and they're walking up to the place. They see that they're going to die. Nails would be hammered into their wrists and both feet of the criminal. Not only that, then the criminal would be hung up on the cross until literally his lungs would collapse in on themselves. Because you can no longer start pushing yourself up off that nail that's driven into your feet. But more so than that, even with Jesus, he took the cat of nine tails 39 times, meaning this was, this was a whip made of just rocks and shards of glass and everything else. And these people were trained to not only whip you, but wrap it around you. So when it pulled, it would literally rip out flesh. Like it was a serious thing. And so Jesus did this and he's carrying this heavy cross and he's carrying it. He's seeing where he's going to die, dying in between two different criminals. It was a slow and painful death. And Jesus is telling people, if you want to pursue me, if you want to pursue me, then you need to identify with me. Then you must pick up this form of execution. So he's saying, if you want to, if you want to follow me, this is what you need to pick up. Uh, a way I would describe it today, if he was around today, he would tell him people, hey, pick up your electric chair and follow me. And last time I checked, I don't see many people having an electric chair necklace or getting an electric chair tattooed on their body. It was a form of execution. It was was extreme. This was an extreme thing for Jesus to say at this time. But here's the thing. If we are to associate with Christ, so if we are no longer to associate with our old way of life, that means we are to associate with Christ, which means if we are to associate with Christ, then we are to associate with all that comes with Christ. And here's the thing. The cross is how we associate with Christ. The cross is how we associate with, with Christ so here's the thing when we take up our cross it is the ultimate form of self denial when we take up our cross it is our display of putting to death our old way of living and taking on our new life in Christ when we take up our cross it is us placing our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and his finished work on the cross we're saying okay I, I, okay, I've decided to follow Jesus, so there's no turning back. Since there's no turning back, I'm going to give you everything. Because you, you held nothing back, Jesus, when it came to saving us and pursuing us. So I'm going to hold nothing back when it comes to pursuing you. Why? Because Jesus is better. So there's two important words I want us to understand when it comes to picking up our cross. There's two important words. The first one is his, as it says in this. And the second one is daily. So it says, take up his cross. So his cross, it means take up your cross. So your cross equals your faith. So Your cross equals your faith. So here's what that means, to pick up your cross. It is you. It is your faith in Jesus. So it is not your parents' faith. It is not your grandparents' faith. It is not your pastor's faith. It is not your Sunday school teacher's faith. It is not your best friend's faith. It is your faith. We are to not carry someone else's cross if we desire to follow Christ. We are to carry our own cross. That's why I said Jesus says, take up your cross, not your friend's cross, not your parents' cross. Take up your cross. So if we are to take up our cross, if we are to place our full faith in Christ, let me ask us this. Do you have faith of your own? Or are you trying to run off of someone else's faith? Are you trying to run off your parents' faith or your pastor's faith? Are you trying to run off, let's say, a best friend's faith that is strong in that? Do you believe that you obtain salvation through the salvation of someone else? Do you believe that you can obtain salvation via osmosis, just by being close proximity to someone or knowing someone, let's say, that is saved? A way I would kind of help us picture this even more is, is quick show of hands. How many has a driver's license? How many cannot wait to get their driver's license? How many cannot wait to just attempt to drive? How many are scared that their kids will eventually get their driver's license? (laughs) So here's how I would describe this. Okay. For those of you, let's say for those of you that do not have a driver's license, but you really want to drive, just because you know someone that has a driver's license doesn't mean that you are allowed to drive because of it, okay? So just because you have a relationship with an older sibling or a parent or a friend who has a driver's license doesn't mean that you have a driver's license, all right? Like if you get pulled over, you can't say, well, I mean, my parent has a driver's license, like that counts, right? No. No. In the eyes of the law, no. Why? Because you must obtain your own driver's license. You have to earn your own driver's license. So just because you have a relationship or just because you know someone who has a driver's license doesn't mean that you have a driver's license. Okay? Does that kind of make sense? In the same way, just because you have a relationship with someone who is saved doesn't mean that you are saved. We have have to obtain it ourselves. We obtain it by receiving Christ, by repenting and believing in Christ, by placing your full faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. Because in God's eyes, you can't say, "Well, well, my parents are saved, but are you saved is the more important question. Have you repented of your sins and believed in Christ? So here's the thing. We are to pick up our cross. Okay, We are to make our faith our own. We are to pick up our cross and then the second important word is we must do this daily. So pick up your cross daily. So here's 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 a simple definition of what daily means. It means every day. Every day. Here's the thing. We are to daily put our old way of living to death, place our faith in Christ, and walk in newness of life as we follow Christ and grow more in him. It is a daily death. It is a daily occurrence. So here's what that means, that if we are to daily pick up our cross, if we are to daily place our faith in Christ, if we are to daily follow him, it's not just a Sunday and Wednesday thing. It's not just a Christmas and Easter thing. It's not just when things are going great. It's not when it's just the week of VBS or the week of camp or a winter retreat. It's not just when things are going great or when we feel like it's most convenient to us. It is an everyday thing. To follow Christ is a daily process. To follow Christ is a daily process. So if we are to pick up our cross and follow Him daily, if we are to do this every single day by putting to death our old way of living and walking in newness of life that Christ gives us, let me ask you this. Do you pick up and choose when you decide to follow Jesus? Or do you daily submit to his lordship? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. But, but do, you, do you decide when you choose to follow Christ or do you decide daily to follow him? Do you follow Christ just on Sunday? for let's say Dina or Unite or on mission trips or over extreme winter. Whenever else you feel like it, or maybe when you're around just your Christian friends, then you do, let's say, your own thing the rest of the year. If we are a follower of Christ, then we are commanded by Jesus to submit our lives daily to his lordship and obey whatever he has for us. But again, just as denying yourself, same with denying yourself, Jesus has already done this. So, Jesus is not saying, hey, you got to do this, and has, and has never stepped foot in this. Jesus gives us the example of what we are to follow, which means He, he is the archetype. He is the one we follow. He is the one that empowers us to follow Him. Here's the thing Jesus has already done this. Jesus already picked up His cross and He took it up to Calvary's Hill to die on our behalf, as we saw yesterday. He has paved the way for us to follow His example. So which means if he has paved the way to follow his example, then he will give us the strength and faith to do this daily. Again, just as our salvation is all by his grace, as we saw yesterday, that means following him is all by his grace as well. Again, Jesus is not saying, okay, I saved you, add it to the quota. I'm going to take care of someone else now. He's saying, okay, now that I've saved you, I'm with you every step of the way. I'm going to send my helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you follow me because the Holy Spirit lives to glorify Christ. So the Holy Spirit helps us and empowers us to follow Christ. He helps us on the great days and the difficult days. He helps us every step of the way. And that is good news. That we have a great high priest that knows, that empathizes with us and walks with us every step of the way. Even on days where we might fall and stumble and not do our best, he's still with us right there to pick us back up, forgive us, love us, and help change us and continue to walk forward. So we deny ourselves, we pick up our cross daily. So when we do this, when we deny ourselves, we no longer associate with our old way of living. And now when we place our full faith and trust in Christ, and we say, okay, I'm going to abandon everything and fully associate with Christ. When we understand this and truly grasp all this, it leads us to our third main point, which is this. It is total obedience and surrender. Total obedience and surrender. So here's what it says in the last part of verse, uh, verse 23. It is just two simple words. Follow me. Follow me. And so he's explaining the third part that is necessary to come after him. Okay, so first we deny our way, deny ourselves, deny our old way of living. Second, we are to embrace our newness of life in Christ by dying to ourselves and daily embracing Christ and his desires. And third and finally, we are to have total obedience and surrender to whatever God commands or whatever he may call us to. So, okay, we have denied our old way of living. We place our faith in Christ. Now it is time to act in obedience in our lives. So here's the thing. We are to no longer count our lives as worthy, but count Christ as more worthy than anything. We're to count Christ as more worthy than anything. Why? Because we have seen, we've seen, wow, okay, Jesus broke through all the barriers. He broke through all the obstacles. He left nothing behind in his full out pursuit of us. And that all we have to do is repent and believe and receive him. That we can receive salvation are eternally secure. We understand that when our heart grasps that, that there is nothing that can separate us from God, that there is no amount of wrongs we can do, that'll stop Him from loving us, that there is no sin too great that He cannot forgive, not only that, but He's with us every step of the way, that He guides us every step of the way, that He empowers us every step of the way, all by His grace. Man, that not only humbles us, but that just overjoys our hearts, doesn't it? We can follow Him. That not only we're we no longer children of wrath, but we're children of grace. And then we get to be used by Him. That leads to total obedience. Wow, the creator of everything, pursues me, and he's in control over everything, that can at least have confidence in who he is and how he is sovereign over everything. That leads to something else. When we count Christ as more worthy than anything, then we will follow him with absolute surrender and gospel joy. When we count Christ as more worthy than anything, then we will follow him with absolute surrender and gospel joy. Why? Because we've seen all that Christ has done to come save us And is with us every step of the way. And the fact that he wants to still use us to point others to him. And tell others about how Christ pursues you. How Christ loves you unconditionally. How Christ leaves nothing behind in His pursuit of us. We understand that. We say, you know what Christ, you can have it all. Cross before me, the world behind me. I've decided to follow Jesus and there's no turning back because we have absolute surrender and gospel joy, knowing that Christ is with us every step of the way, knowing Christ is our portion and prize, knowing Christ is worth it. In fact, there's a beautiful thing in Hebrews where it says he is the author and finisher of our faith, that he not only saves us, but he is with us every step of the way, cheering us onward and is waiting at the finish line. We are to follow him. We're to follow him. What does follow? It means to follow one who precedes. So basically we are following the example of Christ. We are following Christ as he follows God. So the way I describe this, that, that you kind of see in scripture, it's called being yoked with Christ. Anybody heard of a yoke that you put, let's say, on an oxen? Anybody ever heard that before? So, so the point of it is you put this yoke on, let's say, two oxen. Normally there's one strong one and one weak one. So wherever the strong one goes, the weak one is going to follow behind and is teaching them how to follow. They're teaching them this is what it looks like. And so it is the weaker ox being attached to a stronger ox and following the stronger ox's example. As the stronger ox follows the example of the master. And so the younger ox learns from the stronger ox how to follow and obey the master. Okay, this is is what it looks like. Okay. So when we are yoked with Christ, what that means is we are following him as he follows the father. Okay, He is the stronger one; we are the weaker one. We need him and we are following his example of this is what it looks like to obey and follow God. So we are following Christ wherever he takes us. Okay, So if we're following Christ wherever he takes us, and that begs the question, where is he taking us? Where are we following him to? We're following him back into our neighborhoods, into our schools our sports teams, and we are proclaiming Christ and glorifying him in those areas. That we are to take these talents that God has given us and we are to use it for his glory. That we are to go back into these places that God has divinely placed us to point people to him. So you might think, why am I at this school? Think about this. God in all eternity knew exactly where you would be at this point in history and not only that, geographically where you would be the people you'd be around. Why? So you could be used by him to glorify him and point others to him. And so we are to be like Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and tell people to imitate us as we imitate Christ. Not because we're awesome, because Christ is awesome. We are to be like Jesus in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, where we deny ourselves and our desires and we serve others and look out for the best interests of others instead of our own. And their best interest is salvation. We are to make our lives like that of a living sacrifice, as Romans 12, 1 through 2 says. Where everything we do, like we said yesterday, schoolwork, work, sports, conversations, actions, our thoughts, everything glorifies God. So let me ask you this. Will you obey Christ with whatever he commands you to do? Will you follow him wherever he takes you? Will you go talk to that person, let's say, sitting alone at the lunch table when no one else will? Will you befriend that person at school or at your job, maybe even in this very church itself? Maybe no one else will talk to. Will you stand up for Christ even when no one else will? Will you stand up for Christ even if you're the only one? Will you deny yourself Pick up your cross and follow him, even when the world is preaching the opposite. Even when the world preaches that doing your life your way, will you stand firm in your faith and do life the way God has commanded us to do? Again, we're following wherever he takes us. And that can be scary because we might not know where he takes us. There's times where someone asks Jesus, where do you take us? He goes, Jesus has no place to lay his head. that can mean anywhere. Jesus could take us anywhere. Are we willing to do that? we Are willing to go back into these places as we're going to look at tomorrow and pursue others just as Christ pursues us? Here's the thing. Be encouraged just like the other two. Same with this one. Jesus has done all three of these things that he has commanded. He has denied himself. He has picked up his cross and he has followed the Father. Here's the last thing. Fill in the one. Since Jesus has done it all, he will give us all the faith and strength to do it. Since Jesus has done it all, he will give us the faith and strength to do it. Because again, just like yesterday, he lavishes his grace upon us, that we are saved by grace through faith that we are created in Christ for good works and that these good works glorify our Father in heaven. Meaning if Christ has saved us by grace and continues to deliver us by his grace, he also empowers us by his grace to live out these good works that he has saved us for and to point people to him. So let me ask you this. Have you been following Christ on your own terms? Have you been living your life as you best see fit? Have you been only living for Christ on Sundays or when you feel like it? Here's the thing. Maybe there's some of you in here tonight that, that you are not a follower of Christ. That, that you have been living life your own way, you've been trying to do things on, on your own terms and just seems to leave you feeling more empty and more hurt, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged by this. Maybe you feel like, okay, I've been living life my own way, but I have done so many wrongs. Like, like if Jesus knew how many sins that I've committed, all oh, the skeletons in my closet, here's my encouragement for you. You are never too far gone for forgiveness and hope you are never too far gone from forgiveness and hope. You're never too far gone to be able to walk in newness of life in Christ. Here's the beautiful thing. He will meet you where you are at and forgive you and continue to ask you to follow him. Even when we fall, Jesus still invites us to follow him. Maybe there are some of you in here. Maybe there are some of you in here that, that you have been struggling to follow Christ. It could be just for the past couple weeks, the past couple months, past couple years. Maybe you've been struggling to follow Christ. And you go, that's, that, that's great. That, 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 that's for the non-believers. They can repent and believe and follow him, but I'm over here struggling. This message is for you too. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel not only saves people from being children of wrath, children of grace, but it also sanctifies those who are children of grace. Meaning it daily helps us conform even more into the image of God, that we are to constantly preach the gospel to daily, come back to it. That is our source of energy. That is our source of hope. That is our anchor for our souls in difficult times. Because the gospel is a daily process. The gospel is a daily process. Here's the thing. Even if you're a struggling believer as well, Christ will meet you where you are at, in the muck, in the middle of all of it. There is no rock bottom too deep that his love cannot meet you at. There is no chasm too wide that his grace cannot bridge. He comes running after us. Whether we're a believer or whether we're an unbeliever, call still the same. Repent of our sins. Believe in Christ. Follow me. Maybe there's some of you that, that you are a follower of Christ and you are doing well, that you are daily doing these things. You are daily following after Christ, pursuing Him, and you are growing in your faith. And, I, and first of all, I want to encourage you. Yes, that is awesome. Keep going. Keep running your race. But I also want to encourage you to don't forget those, let's say, believers that are struggling along the way. It's so like I constantly say, if we are in Christ, we are family. We encourage one another onward. We spur each other onward. We come alongside those people that are struggling in their faith. We come alongside those that are unbelievers and say, this is what you are longing for. So here's the thing, be encouraged. Christ is faithful every step of the way. He'll provide all that we need according to his riches in glory, in Christ Jesus, so we can follow him and be effective for him. It's all by his grace. Starts with denying ourselves Picking up our cross and following him. Just as we are by saved, just as we are saved by grace through faith, that we follow after him by grace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you just so much for all that you are. Thank you, dear Lord, that even when we fall, even when we fail, even when we mess up, you are still there. You still call us, yes, to repent of our sins and turn back to you. But you're faithful to meet us where we are. You're faithful to guide us every step of the way. And so, dear Lord, I pray tonight that you will just break chains that are holding people back from fully abandoning the world and fully pursuing you. I pray you would instill gospel joy into hearts tonight. I pray you would revive dead hearts tonight. I pray that you will encourage, just discourage and weary souls tonight. I pray that you help us remove masks that maybe we're wearing. I pray that you will break down walls just as you broke through every wall and every barrier to save us, would you just let us, would you just break through all of our walls and let us be open and vulnerable with you and with one another so that we can spur each other onward? Would you, by your grace, help us to deny ourselves, deny our desires, deny the way we want to do life, but instead when we embrace all the newness of life that you give us, view you as better. Would you help us make our faith our own? Would you help us do this daily to follow after you, to step by step, day by day, bit by bit, become just that much more like your son and conform that much more into his image? And as we do that, would you help us follow him with just total abandon, with absolute surrender and gospel joy? And as we conform to his image and we follow him back into our neighborhoods, back into our schools, back into our jobs, would you help us invite others to come follow him in the process? It is only by your just lavished grace upon us. It is only by your unmerited grace. So would you be with us now as we respond to these truths we've heard in song. Respond to these however that you work in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Would you work as only you can. I pray all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. So.